I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to The Parenthood, the podcast where we talk about all things parenting, brought to you by The Bump Class. Today I'm here with Dr. Kiara Hunt, my co-founder, my sister, and practicing doctor in London and also mother of two. Today we're continuing our series about the first year of motherhood. We're right at the beginning, so today we're going to be talking about what your stay in hospital is going to feel like if you're giving birth at home. This will be it's still applicable because it'll still we'll still talk about how you're actually feeling. Um, but most first babies are actually born in hospitals or birth centres. So we're really going to take you through your stay, how your recovery will feel and what you can do to make it um, kind of a little bit easier because you're kind of coping with the emotional shock of being a new mother as well as the physicality of having had a baby. And physically, it is quite a big deal, isn't it? I think it is. I mean, amazingly, even after, you know, giving birth, which often is quite a long process first time round, you're up and about quite quickly if, had, if you've had a normal delivery. I mean, it's normal to be up in the sort of hour or so after you've after you've uh, given birth and the, the midwife looking after you will help you, you know, into the shower, help you get washed and get changed and get your sheets all clean and that sort of thing. And it's, it's really amazing how quickly you're up and about. I mean, obviously, if you've had a, an, an epidural, um, you'll be a bit wobbly so it might take a little bit longer your legs might feel a little bit wobbly I suppose it depends on when your last top up was exactly yes exactly so it's usually about four hours the drugs last of an epidural yeah, isn't roughly, it roughly, so if you so had your, your top up two hours before the birth it'll be another two hours yes before your yeah mobile. although you can still be up and about as you know with with an epidural so um so um it might be shorter than that but but it's pretty quick but the thing is, I think after birth, you feel quite sore, um, generally. Um, obviously, you're sore sort of downstairs. Your undercarriage is quite sore if you've had a, had a vaginal delivery because it's been stretched quite a lot. Yeah, and it's often quite swollen and, and you know, it's not uncommon to have some stitches to put in if there's been a little bit of a tear or an episiotomy. So it is normal for it to be sore um, in the perineal area for, for a little while after the birth. And there's a few little tips and tricks that you can do to help ease that soreness um, in those in those early hours and days um, that, that's worth knowing about. Sitting down is often quite sore in those early days because you've got that kind of swollen undercarriage. Um, so actually a lot of people find that lying down and feeding is more comfortable or potentially sort of supporting your sort of bottom if you're sitting down with two sort of cushions so that you're taking the pressure off that that perineal area yeah and you can get some special cushions for when you've had perineal uh, trauma uh, that a lot of hospitals will have so you can ask them if, if you can use one of those um, or you can or you can get one yourself but it basically it's like a 
not quite a ring, but that sort of thing where it takes the pressure off the central part. Um, but you want to avoid setting for long periods of time and bearing in mind that you'll be feeding your baby for quite long periods of time. And that is quite difficult, but sort of sitting uh, sort of slightly on your side or lying down does help. A cool area also, also sort of helps. So there's a um, product called the Fempad, which is something that you can stick in the freezer. It's a bit like a sort of sanitary pad that's like a cooling pad that actually yeah. provides quite a lot of relief for yeah. that perineal area. And I mean, in the old days, they used to sit on a, a bag of peas, Yeah, which they? does the same thing. But um, but uh, this is just designed for, for when you've just had a baby. And, um, and it's sort of practical because it's the right size and shape. Uh, so you can still be mobile but if you can get hold of that brilliant otherwise a bag of peas or just a, one of those sports ice packs that you can get um uh, will also do the job um and uh, it's quite common to have had stitches um but we'll we'll talk about that in a second physically i mean you, uh, women are often sort of find that they've got um sore legs and arms because natural labor is is a big deal it's physical um and, and you'll probably realize that you've you've sort of as if you've run a marathon you're feeling the sort of similar kind of soreness aches and pains absolutely and I think during labor during an active labor uh, women are using muscles that they are not used to using very often and so it's not unusual for the first you know probably for a week or so after the birth to to feel stiff and sore generally um, but that eases up and your time is so consumed with your baby you actually will probably barely notice um, it is very common to have stitches, though. I think the majority of women who have a vaginal delivery, certainly with first babies, do end up with some a varying degree of stitches, which I think we talk about this on the bump class the whole time. A lot of women think oh, that sounds like the worst thing ever. But actually, in reality, if it's managed well, um, doesn't have to be um, too sort of traumatic. Yeah, I think the there's key no is complications there. Then actually, it's amazing how quickly people recover from stitches after birth. I certainly see women at their sort of six week check, six weeks after the birth regularly and most of them haven't given their stitches a second thought from a couple of weeks down the line and because everything is healed and is back to normal they do the stitches with dissolvable stitches so that you don't ever have to take stitches out um you know so you, you really don't have to think about them much other than keeping the area clean uh, in in the immediate aftermath and that area does heal very well naturally yeah. doesn't it yeah, so. yeah very well very easily yeah but um, I think if you do end up with stitches, it's really important just to follow a sort of few basic rules just to ensure that that recovery is um, goes really, really well. So, you know, take take um, painkillers to take a hold of the pain. I think that's really, really important to prevent the pain. Yeah, you, there's no point suffering in silence when there are painkillers available and lots of painkillers are very safe, to, well, completely safe to take when you're breastfeeding. So much better that you're pain-free. So, you know, paracetamol, ibuprofen, that sort of thing are usually absolutely fine. Um Keeping um, keeping the area clean and dry is important. So give, having a sort of bath every day at least, if not more, um, to, or, or a sit bath, you know, just to bathe the area. Often in cool water will help. Um, even adding some some salt to the bath um, or some antiseptic or TCP or tea tree oil or anything like that can be quite helpful. And then make sure you dry the area well um, with a clean towel or a, or a disposable towel or even a sanitary pad. Yeah, some people find that loo paper sort of gets Sticks, caught yeah. on the stitches. Yeah. So actually d drying it with, you know, one of those sort of more like tissue things or... Um, or, or a clean sanitary towel is, yeah. is probably better. Bearing in mind, everyone who has a baby is going to be using sanitary uh, sanitary pads because everyone's bleeding. Uh, but if you've had stitches, just be extra conscious of changing it every time you go to the loo, um, even if it's not dirty, uh, change it. Yeah, that's, that's very, very important. Um, and I think... Um, you know, be aware that your your stitches will probably take about two weeks to dissolve. But at the beginning, they're actually at their strongest. So you feel very vulnerable in that area. But um, it does heal very, very well. 
Yeah, and if that if you're feeling like it's not healing as it should, just have a low threshold to go and show your doctor and let them examine you because um, if it's not healing properly or hasn't been sewn together quite right, then the earlier uh, you you have that fixed, the better. So. And when you're washing, you don't need to, you shouldn't use soap, should you? Not no, even. And you don't want to be scrubbing at that area. You just need to be you know soaking it, you know making it make sure it's clean and then patting it dry. Don't yeah, don't use soap in that area to start with. A lot of women find going to the loo quite hard actually after having a baby. So um, when it, you mean with stitches burning and yeah, exactly. Yeah, so pee is your urine is quite acidic, and very often it, it stings when women yes. sort of um, empty their bladder. Yeah, and what you don't want to do is just be holding your urine in because you're worried about you know it hurting. So um, there's lots of little tricks you can do there. Probably one of the easiest is having a, a little jug of water that you can use to pour you know pour over yourself as you're peeing. Um, which which will definitely ease the pain uh, of that. So so de- that's a little trick that, that works really, really well. And then the opening the bowels, that first poo after labor. I some know. people refer to it as the fourth stage of labor because it actually it can turn into quite a big it deal. Can, it can, and it's awful. I mean, as you, th- those of you who sort of uh, been to the bump class or read a bit about labor know, know about the sort of different stages of labor. And uh, the fourth stage of labor, opening your bowels, yes, that is a sort of midwife's uh, informal term. Um, and and that's because it's actually there's lots of reasons why you might get a bit constipated after you've had a baby. You've been take, often taking painkillers during the labour that might make you a bit constipated. You're probably a bit dehydrated throughout the labour because it's quite physical. You've been quite active, um, and and then you have the baby. You have some stitches. You're worried about opening your bowels because you're worried about the stitches tearing or about it hurting. So you subconsciously even don't you know try not to open your bowels try to hold it all in until it gets you know harder and harder and uh, and that you know that that is is not a nice situation to find yourself in um so be aware that that can happen drink lots during labor try, if you're taking uh, painkillers that can make you constipated which tend to be the ones with codeine in or some sort of opiate in um then counteract that with a with a laxative or stool softener which they will normally give you in hospital automatically um and uh, and just be aware that if you haven't opened your bowels you know in that first day or two to 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 be active about it you know obviously eating things that you know help you go normally you know whether that dried fruit or prune juice and uh, do that and uh, and um hopefully it'll be okay and actually once you've had that sort of first poo sorry to be so graphic graphic yeah. about it but you'd feel a lot better yes often the sort of stress of being constipated and not having done that poo just makes you feel awful and worried and as soon as that's over it's kind of fine again absolutely i mean again when you do feel it you need to go if you're a bit worried it's going to hurt your stitches a, a bit of a tip is to get a clean sanitary pad and hold it against your stitches to sort of support your stitches while you're opening your bowels and that can feel um quite reassuring and comforting and make you make you a bit less anxious about it and and as I said, they're really strong in the early days of stitches. So, you know, while you might feel that your stitches will be strained, mm. they probably won't be. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about um, recovery after a cesarean. About 20% of women um, end up mothers, having, yeah. yeah, first time mothers end up having a cesarean. And actually, the recovery is a real um, bore, actually. It's major abdominal surgery. It's not just a little procedure. And it's really important that you take the time to recover um, well. Yeah, no, I mean, as we know, so cesarean is definitely not the easy option, to, um, especially when it comes to recovery. But, you know, very often it is the only safe way to deliver your baby. So if you have, for whatever reason, ended up with a cesarean, um, then it's definitely worth knowing how the next of six weeks are going to pan out in terms of your recovery and what you can and what you 
shouldn't do you'll be probably lying in bed um in the first usually they'll encourage you to get out of bed in the first um 12 hours or so we know that actually being having a degree of mobility is is really good for recovery so the midwives and doctors depending on your recovery individually will encourage you to get out of bed if you've had a cesarean first thing in the morning probably that by the end of that day they'll be supporting you getting in and out of bed and you'll be shocked at how sore it is when you get out of bed you know you'll need someone supporting you if not two people kind of holding onto your arms and helping you walk uh, to the bathroom um, and you'll be hunched over because you won't want to stretch out your your, your abdomen because of the scar um, but what's actually amazing is that the recovery is then very very quick so the next day you feel 50% better and the next day 50% better again you know it is quick but but be prepared for it being very uncomfortable in that first you know in the first 12 24 hours do yeah. you agree yeah absolutely and I think you know it's quite frustrating because there's so much you can't do you know if you're lying in your bed and your baby is right next to you in a, the little cradle you can't reach over and get your baby if you're crying because that involves that baby's quite, crying you might be crying yeah. too but <laughs> <laughs> if your baby's crying and you're crying um because that movement involves quite a lot of sort of core strength which you've essentially lost so um that's kind of one of the most difficult parts of recovering after a cesarean you kind of need someone with you just to be able to hand your baby if it needs feeding you know it's much more difficult for you to get out of bed and change nappies um kind of verging on impossible so you do need really quite a lot of support if you've had a, a vaginal birth you're totally fine to sort of get up and change nappies and and burp your baby and feed your baby but you do need a lot more help when you've had a cesarean. and that can feel really frustrating because on the on the busy postnatal wards you know the midwives are busy um and then they don't really have time to often to help you know every mother who's had a cesarean lift the baby out you know anyone can do that and the good thing is that now you are allowed your partner pretty much all the time with you on the ward um so so overnight too and overnight too exactly which is which is great um so they can actually help you do a lot of that a lot of that um, you sometimes get so. stomach cramps after a cesarean or I had not remember having a really like a uh, sharp pain in my shoulder um, yeah that's actually really cesarean. common um that you get that you get that shoulder pain and that's because the diaphragm has been irritated during the during the surgery and it will often I mean a lot of people describe that shoulder pain as worse than the than the pain of the actual um scar um but that doesn't last it it, it doesn't last for um too long but it's worth knowing that that does happen after a cesarean Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
Um, they'll usually, uh, they'll quite often try and get you to speak to a physio in hospital still, yeah. won't they? Who'll, who'll give you sort of basic uh, advice uh, regarding moving and sort of rebuilding your core again. So it's worth sort of listening to them. And if they sort of tell you to do certain exercises, even though you've got a lot on your plate, try and prioritize those. Because you really want to avoid some of those exercises that strain your core, you know, the abdominal muscles. Um, you don't want to be, you know, want to be getting in and out of bed in a certain way and that sort of thing. So do, do if you can, see a, a, a women's health physio in hospital and uh, and listen to what they say after you've had a cesarean you're at higher risk of blood clots aren't you so they'll yes. give you a standard um some kind of blood thinner won't they Kiara? yeah so they'll normally um you'll have to wear those stockings you know those lovely dvt stockings sort of yeah exactly mid tight, very hot and sweaty um stockings but they're very important actually um and the midwives will help you get those on and off and then while you're until you're really properly mobile again um which is usually after you've gone home uh, you'll have to be giving or they'll be giving you and then you'll have to continue you giving yourself little injections uh, of a blood thinner that will prevent you getting a blood clot um, sounds horrible the idea of giving yourself injections yeah. it's actually not as bad as you think i i had to do it um and i'm I mean, if you could have seen me as an eight-year-old being chased around the house by my father who wanted to give me an injection he's a doctor he's not just some <laughs> random um uh you would have think how could i have done it but actually it's really not as bad as you think and if you're really struggling get your partner to do it for you or worst case scenario they'll they'll send a midwife out but most women don't find it's that big a deal yeah no it's it, there those tiny needles with a sort of automatic um uh, plunges so it's it's not too too difficult and take painkillers you know after major abdominal surgery you will you will be in pain you'll probably be surprised that actually the pain is probably a little bit less than you imagined especially when you're not moving but it does vary person to person and we know that it also depends on whether you've had an emergency or planned cesarean I think for a lot of people yeah. um, also depending on how tired you are just starting out you know that no, we're very all much... different people we all recover at different rates and we all feel pain in different ways so take the painkillers we know that actually being pain-free um, is really good for recovery so don't sort of feel that you have to be abstemious in the um, the painkiller department and they'll only give you what is suitable for breastfeeding yeah, in the hospital exactly. exactly and then you know the the cesarean scar they'll they'll close in one of various different ways they might use staples they might use what we call interrupted stitches, um, which is lots of lots of little stitches along the um, along the incision, or they might use a continuous stitch, which is one going sort of in and out, weaving in and out of the of the incision. So depending on um, what they've used to close it, it, do they use dissolvable stitches at all? They do sometimes use now dissolvable stitches too. So um, it'll depend on the hospital you're in, the surgeon who's doing it, um, as to how easy those are to remove. But uh, they'll usually uh, be removed about five days after the operation. So then I think it's worth just understanding a little bit about sort of what the general recommendation is in terms of sort of physical activity after you've had a cesarean, because your recovery period is six weeks. And the advice is not to lift anything heavier than your baby for six weeks. So it's so tempting to do more than that, isn't uh, it? Because you'll feel like you can. But I think the key is that you're, you're not just it's not just the scar on the outside. You have to remember it's also the, the scar on the uterus. And you just don't want to um, do anything that's going to compromise the healing of that. Um, so do, especially in the first few weeks after the cesarean, do be careful about what you're lifting. You know, even the pram with, with the baby in. Sort of or the car seat with the baby the in. Car, car seat. seats weigh a ton. Yeah, they do with the baby in especially. And, you know, or just carrying the shopping up, um, up the stairs. You know, all of those things are not... It's so Great. tempting to think, oh, I'll just lift it. And then you do and you feel that you shouldn't have done it and you yeah. could kick yourself. Yeah. So I think just be really strict about that. And if um, you can get someone to come and help you, if you've got your mother or someone who can come and stay with you for the first 
week or two that will make all the difference um or a good friend or paid help or whatever it works for you I think you, you know, have to remember that in in, you know, in in a lot of countries you stay in hospital for at least a week after a cesarean um and in this country you know we're going getting sent, sent home earlier and earlier i mean not that long ago it was three nights in hospital now a lot of hospitals are trying to, to trying to discharge patients after a night um which is you know a night after major abdominal surgery that's you know you're pretty you're pretty fragile still then so you are going to need help and care and look pe- someone to help look after you as well at home as well as the baby yeah, yeah. so um, most mothers if you've had a very straightforward vaginal delivery sometimes you're offered what's called a six-hour discharge which is in where this they country, yes. in this country where they they offer you to leave um, hospital after six hours which that's quite punchy for first-time mothers yeah I think um, most first-time mothers would op- opt to spend the night in hospital but not everyone and actually if you've got you know great support network at home you might want to get home and not spend the first night in the postnatal ward um, but again if it's your second third baby then um, you'll probably be keen to get home sooner rather than later because the postnatal ward is um probably the sort of least relaxing um well i mean the 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 labor ward is probably also not that relaxing but um it it, it, it's usually there's quite a lot of people there you've obviously doubling up the amount of people because you've got babies and then partners there as well um and so it can be quite sort of unrelaxing especially if you've got someone else's baby crying all night long um or it can feel a bit chaotic and you can sometimes feel a bit unloved i think just because everyone is so busy and you're wanting you're wanting so much attention because you've had your baby you don't know what to do um, question for you're everything. questioning everything you're, you're panicking at every little sound your baby's making um and you know you're wanting help and guidance with you know nappy changing and creams and, and baths and whatever feeding. question you've got feeding absolutely and, and there's not always lots of people available to help so um you know it 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 can be a bit um be a bit scary I think um, but I think the key is to have someone with you as much for as much time as possible to kind of help support you with the day-to-day stuff yeah exactly and it's also quite nice to get them to bring food in because postnatally you're hungry you're so hungry you know usually you haven't actually eaten that much during the labor um, and milk production actually takes quite a lot of energy um, so it's really good to get anyone who wants to come and visit you to bring some food that you really like you'll probably have a sort of specific order that needs to be uh, uh, got absolutely Absolutely right. Um, so that's that's definitely worth telling anyone who wants to, vi- to visit you. I do think, though, on that note, keep visitors in hospital to a minimum. They're not great places for people to come and visit you. Um, they have very restrictive visiting hours, which is understandably for the kind of greater good of everyone on the ward. Um, and so I'd say, if possible, just try and prevent people from coming to visit you unless absolutely necessary. Just put that off until you get home. Yeah, you'll be home very soon. So, so home is a much nicer place for visitors. Um, yeah. So baby in hospital. Um, I mean, they tend to just sort of just sleep and feed, and yeah, it's the great. first hour or so, they're they're alert, they're awake, they're looking around, and then they tend to sort of drift off to sleep. And then there's a lot of a cycle of sleeping most of the time, waking to feed, sleeping, feeding, and it's in those early days, it's very much feeding on demand. Your baby will tell you, you know, will cry, and you're you're getting the hang of 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 feeding him, and he's getting the hang of feeding, uh, latching on. I mean, uh, I'm sh- um, we'll do a whole podcast about feeding, but. Um, but your your milk, your proper breast milk is not going to come in for a few days after the birth, probably not while you're in hospital if you've had a normal delivery. Um, it's usually sort of day three to five it will come in. And until that time, you'll, you'll just be producing um, a little bit of a substance called colostrum, which is a sweet sort of 
very um, uh, very beneficial sort of nectar that your baby nutrient will, rich, yeah, nutrient rich nectar that your baby will really thrive on. But it's not a huge amount. I mean, each each feed that your baby will have in the early days will be you know like a, a, a tablespoon uh, of 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 um, of food, as it were. Um, but it's perfectly that's enough for the baby uh, until your milk comes in. Generally speaking, um, and then then you'll hopefully produce lots of milk but the midwife should be helping you kind of get the baby to latch on and stimulate that milk production often <clears throat> women experience after pains so sort of uterine c- contractions as they're feeding um, and this is because as the nipples are stimulating your body releases more oxytocin which is shrinking your uterus so your uterus is kind of stretched to accommodate your baby um, and it's then shrinking down again because you've no longer got a baby in a placenta and all the amniotic fluid inside it and it's amazing how it directly stimulates those contractions so some women feel sort of almost like sort of labor pains as they're feeding um it's more common to be feeling this in sort of second and third time babies but um worth being aware of and you'll probably find that the moment your baby stops sucking the pains stop and as soon as they start sucking again they start i i like to think of it as um as very positive just sort of enabling my tummy to get a little bit flatter yeah because you'll notice that your tummy still looks about six months pregnant at this stage you know when you've had your baby and you, you expect it just to shrink back down but it, it doesn't and it takes a few weeks for that tummy to go just for the uterus to shrink back down so um so that will help definitely and if you're having the pains think of it as a positive thing uh, yeah it is more with second babies than first but but you might you might all notice it your your midwives will be sort of constantly checking for sort of wet nappies, but also for um, your baby's first poo, which mm-hmm. is, um, again, a substance called meconium. It's not a sort of normal poo. It's, it's the lining of the gut, isn't it, while exactly. it's developing exactly. in the uterus. Um, and this first poo, is it's sort of black and tar-like in its substance. It's quite sticky. It doesn't smell horrible, but it looks quite horrid. And it's a real kind of bore to get off the bottom because it's really sticky. It sort of sticks to the baby's bottom. So mm. don't worry if you're sort of struggling with this first nappy and it's taking ages to change don't worry the poos will get a lot easier than this um, but that initial uh, meconium um, is is quite sticky um, it's actually very very dark green rather than black and um, you know it's really important that your your the midwives would want to see and keep an eye on your baby's nappies while they're in hospital and gradually that poo will then change from sort of black through to green through to sort of mustard yellow which is the normal sort of poo color for a healthy baby yeah I mean we've had I had a patient the other day saying that she'd someone had told her to put a bit of Vaseline on her baby's bottom when it was born um to which which then when the she did that he did the meconium poo it was much easier to get off um so, so yeah if you remember if you remember quite a nice thing to do yeah so um, being in hospital is also about sort of different checks um, for mother and baby and the doctors and nurses will be really on that. And I think it's worth having a bit of an idea of what, uh, what's, what they're kind of looking for. Um, so for the mother, um, you'll notice that they'll be feeling or palpating your tummy. Um, what they're trying to do is just feel where the uh, uterus is and check that it is going down as it should be. Yeah, exactly. And they'll, they'll be checking your your pad or asking you if you're bleeding what that bleeding is like they may ask to look at the pad don't be sort of freaked out if they do that's perfectly normal 
Um, if you've had a cesarean, they'll be looking at the scar and checking that's all healing well. Again, if you've had stitches down below, they'll they'll be keeping an eye on that. Um, and they probably will take some they will take some blood tests from you after the birth to check um, to check amongst other things your sort of iron levels and seeing if you're needing any any iron um, to go home on, which which is quite common. Iron's one of those kind of notorious things. It's really common for women to be iron deficient postnatally. Yeah, well, you lose quite a lot of blood during the birth, um, so and it, it can of has a horrible impact in that it makes you feel even more tired doesn't it like if, yeah if you have a low iron level absolutely so um if you're on the sort of borderline of low iron and they're saying maybe maybe not then i would definitely take some mm. uh, and there's but it's various- quite hard to 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 take in isn't it so um sometimes the iron tablets can make you a bit constipated but actually there's a whole load of um uh, sort of slightly better um iron supplements that are on the market now that because what we know is that vitamin c aids iron absorption and caffeine prevents it so um have a look and see if there are sort of um you can find a sort of yeah you can um, get combination ones with iron and vitamin c that get absorbed well you get ones that are a bit gentler on the stomach um in liquid and non-constipating um but um but they also it also can make your poos a bit black so just be aware of that that's the iron tablets doing that it's it's fine it's completely normal probably the biggest thing is the bleeding and I think that's really important to talk about again it's one of those things that no one likes to talk about because they all get a bit private about it but it's actually really important that you know what's normal and not normal in terms of the sort of postnatal bleeding I mean for many women who come on the bump class the fact that you do have a long bleed like a sort of it's I always think of it as like payback time for not having had a period for nine months <laughs> you have a really long period and um, which lasts up to six weeks after yeah, you've up delivered. To six weeks is normal and for some women it's 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 shorter than that but uh, it starts off very heavy uh, where you're having to use those very thick maternity pads or even those incontinence pants sometimes if you're in bed um, and sometimes even having to double pad uh, to make sure there's no leaking and that does the uh, first week is the worst and then it slows down um, many of you will have seen those maternity pads I mean they're sort of incomparable to sanitary towels yeah. they're a lot thicker because the quantity of blood postnatally is much bigger much much greater than a normal period yeah. I mean we recommend um, at night potentially using incontinence pads which aren't even for postnatal women they're actually for people who are incontinent Um, but it just means that when you're lying sort of horizontally sleeping in bed at night um, you're not worrying about leaking Um, and I think that you know sleep is so precious in those days and you don't want to be worrying about something like that so that if you can put on one pair of these pants um, literally just at night for the first week I think it just makes it a little bit less stressful yeah and it does depend how heavy the bleeding is but but I think they can be lifesavers I mean also um, w- w- at night particularly if you're then getting up to feed the baby and getting into an upright position you'll often have a bit of a rush and uh, of, of the blood um, and similarly when you're feeding um, in the same way we were just talking about earlier that the that the feeding stimulates the uterus to contract um, that uterus contracting will often cause the bleeding to to become heavier um, so so that's all normal don't worry about that and it's normal for that blood to be quite sort of red at the beginning yeah, even and some then, blood clots at the beginning is yeah. normal and we, d- um, we say anything bigger than a 50p piece is not normal so yeah. if uh, if you do experience a clot that's bigger than a 50p piece keep that pad and show it to midwife or and it take sounds a disgusting. photo I know that sounds awful too but the amount of photos my patients show me which are so helpful actually um, because you know then I can see rather than rely on their description of it so but I suppose um, if you're taking a photo you need something to sort of show the, the scale of it yes well you can usually see against the pad but yes you could put something against it or, or, or bring it in like you say yeah um, midwives aren't gonna sort of or doctors aren't gonna think oh my god too much information they will no. actually be quite grateful yeah. for as much and many clues as you can give them yeah and then that's bleeding um does diminish over the next few weeks and at the end it's just you know a little bit of, of you know 
brown discharge and that's it again watch out for it changing so if it's gone to not much at all and then it's suddenly you have clots or it starts smelling differently or anything like that then always um show your doctor or midwife yeah Absolutely. And I think the other thing to, to make sure you're aware of is that a lot of people think you only have this bleeding after a vaginal delivery. It's whether or not you have a cesarean um, or a vaginal delivery, you will still have this bleeding because it's the uterus, the lining of the uterus shedding after nine months of not having shed. Yeah. So it'll be pretty much the same regardless of, of how your baby was delivered. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and they'll be doing some checks on the baby as well. Um, so they'll be checking the weight of the baby. A little bit of weight loss actually in the first week is normal. So they will be quite sort of obsessed about weighing your baby. And um, But please don't weigh your baby yourself. When you eventually get home, you do not need to be putting your baby on the scales. If you're worried, take them to the GP. But we'll talk about this in the next podcast. When you're home, you will actually have quite a lot of visits from the community midwives and the uh, health visitors. And you, so you can always ask them to weigh your baby if you're concerned. So, but they will be checking the baby's weight. Yeah, they'll be keeping an eye on the the cord, the you know um, umbilical cord, which will sort of be shriveling up and drying up, and will eventually fall off. But that's usually when you're when you're out out of hospital. So ten days, week ten days. Yeah, isn't it, about after? that, about that. Um, you usually just find it in the in the nappy one day. Um, they'll be keeping an eye on the baby's skin color. So you know we talked about jaundice looking a bit yellow. Um, and, uh, you know, if the baby's looking too yellow uh, or, or it's at the wrong time that they're supposed to be looking yellow, they'll, keep, they'll, they'll do some tests. Uh, while you're in hospital, their baby will usually have a hearing test or they should have a hearing test. Um, Which is so clever. They put, don't they put little headphones on the baby and they do like a series of clicks? Exactly, exactly. And they, it's a standardized test for newborns just to check if there's any significance. Because I always wondered loss. how on earth they do it. I mean, you can't ask them to repeat a word they've heard. Yeah, no, it's, to, it's looking at the responses, um, you know, with it, you know, from the baby, basically. Because after they're asleep when they do it too. Yeah, yeah. But you, you can still hear when you're asleep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for clarifying that Kiara. um and then you know before you go home your the, the doctor or pediatrician or the midwife pe- trained in pediatrics will be uh, doing a full baby check for your baby um so let's try and make sure you get that before you leave it's a bit of a bore having to come back for it but they'll be what will they be looking at that they'll basically do a sort of top to toe examination top to toe, yeah absolutely any birthmarks you can chat about at that stage yeah absolutely any any irregularities at all they'll be doing a full examination and then you can ask any questions listen to the heart listen to the lungs look at the hips look at the feet look at the skin look at the shape of the baby's sort of head and uh whether there are any signs of anything being not quite right because am i right in thinking that if you've had a breech baby there it's recommended that they come back for a hip test at six weeks is that right yeah exactly um exactly so that's standard if your baby's breech so either the wrong way around came out bottom first they will they will routinely do a hip scan just because breech babies more commonly Um, could have this particular hip problem that we check for and then it's time to go home but we're going to cover that in the next episode of the podcast so i do hope that you found this helpful all our podcasts are full of interesting things and useful information even if you've got older children if you're listening to this and you're having your third baby you'll probably find quite a lot of our episodes quite useful for the for your other children so please do have a look and see what we've recorded and maybe even think about subscribing to the parenthood podcast it's free and it means that you will never miss out on another of these fascinating <laughs> episodes uh, do also follow us on instagram we're at the parent.hood you can see what our next topics are for recording and even potentially make suggestions for future podcast recordings so i hope you've enjoyed this episode thank you for listening